welcome to episode 21 of Tall Poppy. I'm your host, Tathra Street. This episode is not for the faint of heart. This is not a long interview, but it's full of gems, straight talk, and a decent amount of swearing, and some serious self-leadership. Amber Hawken has been doing this self-development and personal growth stuff for a long time. She started out in radiation and made a courageous choice to leave that, to honor her own authentic self. She's a former athlete and a seasoned personal development educator and has clearly done a lot of thinking about this human journey we're on and uses herself as an example. Our focus is on self-awareness, one of the foundational leadership skills, and we talk a lot about authenticity, the practices that enable states of flow, and she has quite a different definition of meditation that I think you'll appreciate. I was keen to ask her about the difference between fear and intuition from her perspective, and she had a great answer. This woman really knows her stuff. She's a straight shooter, and yes, you can expect some swearing, not just the title of the book. Enjoy. All right, I would like to welcome Amber Hawken to Tall Poppy. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's, it's an honor. So tell me a little bit about um, where in the world you are and um, maybe something about the weather or the surroundings of, of what you're experiencing. <laughs> yeah, sure. I am in currently in the very, very south end of the Gold Coast in Australia. So I am incredibly blessed um, to have the beaches. My front yard is just across the road and it's kind of a bit cloudy and humid here today. Sprinkled, sprinkled some rain this morning, but it's it's still blue skies and randomness the weather's here like well it's just so lucky I love it it's gorgeous fantastic so Amber can you talk a little bit about um your work and what brought you to it <laughs> yes <laughs> no that's just a small question but I'll start there so the basis of my work now really is I kind of translate spiritual philosophy and neuroscience into everyday terms so people can understand who they are, self-connection and create what um, people might know as after I've launched my book, The Unfuckwithable Life. So how I unfuckwithable life yes <laughs> so the term unfuckwithable really um while it sounds quite crass in many ways it's it's deeply um connected to self-awareness and authenticity um the meaning that, that i write for it is um it's an adjective it's a it's a describing word for someone who is very self-connected and at a great sense of acceptance and peace within themselves so that Inspiration just permeates their life and fear doesn't stop them. So that's what unfuckwithable means. And I'm imagining there was a fair bit of uh, work on yourself to get to to this. (laughs) Yeah, yes, definitely. (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I've been curious since I was a child. So understanding people, um, you know, probably had a lot to do with the environment I grew up in, which was – you know, in many ways, I guess, toxic, perfect, perfect environment to cultivate curiosity. Um, but, but it was toxic and painful in many ways in the, in the perspective of a child, I guess you could say, um, which just triggered me to try and understand psychology and emotion and fulfillment and pain and suffering and, um, so that really steered me in that direction. That's one of the things that I quite appreciate about your work is that you, you really know 
the value of these difficult times in our lives and what they bring to us as far as, uh, you know, grist for the mill, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's, it really, it did start as a young age, but I think, I guess, I don't know, you could say maybe my, my soul personality. I'm not sure if that's a thing. Um, but just from experience, I very close to my dad and he said, you know, the moment I was born that I was just looking around going, okay, like I'm here now. And that, that curiosity really, um, you can see that through everything that I do because I like to understand everything, pull it apart and then put it back together and then translate it to people to teach. So that's really how how I got here. And I went in, in studied medicine and radiation therapy because I wanted to understand health. So I pulled that apart. Once I got in, I realized I wasn't being part of the prevention. I was part of, I guess, the a partial solution of a symptom, um, treatment of a symptom, and, and I left. And then so I started um, psychosomatics, studying and looking into psychosomatics, not professionally. Um, that was more of a personal um, – I indulged in that pers- personally. And then uh, neuro-linguistic programming, emotional healing, deep state repatterning, cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness, and then – shove that all together after a couple of years of teaching. And I really found out that the thing that we're all lacking that can actually create a deep sense of fulfillment in our lives is self-connection and authenticity. So now that's what I teach. Fantastic. So I'm interested in focusing in the area of self-awareness because in, in my work, that's the foundational piece. Mm-hmm. That's where we start. So, and, and I've been reading a little bit of the preview of your book and, and, um, quite enjoying your your discussion of sort of you know I guess an awareness that you know this stuff is hard it's it's mm-hmm. not necessarily easy and there's so much stuff out there and how do we kind of find the thing that fits for us so so can you can you speak to sort of the beginning of the journey of self-awareness yeah sure um actually Tathra this is I've um just explored maybe a, a left of field um I guess perspective of what I have always thought about self-awareness, which is that um, we're triggered when we're triggered by pain or enough pain, whether that's a perspective created within ourselves or something external, we do something. Yeah. Um, however, I was talking recently uh, to someone, a psychologist actually, who's now work, working uh, more into um, the realm of, of um, I guess, what I'm doing as well. Mm-hmm. And we were musing on the concept of what if the next generations to come, since everything's seated, you know, in our con- subconscious and that, you know, creates our life, we, we stem from there and our actions come from there. Mm-hmm. What if we started to teach younger generations that we don't have to go through pain to evolve? Ah, wow. Mm, that's interesting because sometimes I kind of wonder that if if that's kind of are you know part of our purpose as human beings mm. is to experience this pain to to stimulate this growth but, exactly. but yeah i mean it's an interesting question what what would it be like if if people were just um you know spontaneously curious and, and started from that place rather than you know going through all that difficult stuff right and that's um i guess that's the basis of I mean, I loved it because it really flips my world upside down, a lot of what I teach, because if you had have asked me that question two weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, of course, it's always something that triggers us. And it still does, and I really do believe probably for a very, very long time, I just wanted to muse on the concept of the evolution of, I guess, um, evolution, the evolution of evolution coming from a space of, you know, what if we just taught people this and they 
it was a way of living rather than a way of having to get so uncomfortable because I agree it is part of our human experience that we we experience that pain um and I definitely believe that if we don't then we don't really move. Like if nothing changes, nothing changes. If nothing's provoked, nothing shifts. So, you know, there's always equal and opposite reactions, but we're really starting to see, see a shift in that. Um, and loving, I, I would love to just bring that into everyday life, into the corporate world, into schools where, where it's taught. So it's accepted rather than here I am. I'm, I'm kind of comfortable in a life I don't really like, but I'm not uncomfortable enough to do anything about it. What if we just start to introduce people into a different way of thinking so that a fulfilling life is really something that moves towards being the norm? And one of the things I like that you name in your writing is that, you know, in these days, (laughs) in our technological world, we have all these distractions and all these things that um, sort of, you know, it's almost to the point where we don't even realize that the pain is there because we're just so used to numbing it out. Mm, Definitely. It's... um stimulation overload in this world, uh, Western world anyway, it's, uh, it's creates that numbness, exactly what you said. So, and this is going off, you know, even more of that self-awareness. You asked, how do we start that self-awareness journey? Um, if we're going on the basis that at least right now we're needing to be triggered in some way, whether that's realizing if I keep doing what I'm doing, my future is going to look like this. And that's where the work is a lot harder internally rather than waiting until the truck that's external, like, you know, you break your leg or you get cancer or you get a broken heart, right? There's different, two different pains. One comes from a space of more awareness. One comes from a space of you weren't, didn't pay any attention. So you got slapped. So, um, that second one tends to happen because we're overstimulated and that, discomfort that we experience on an emotional, mental level, even a physical level, because we're numbing ourselves through whether it's, you know, medication or whether it's just food, sex, Mm -hmm. like TV, overworking, the desire for money, the desire for a body. These are all numbing agents. And the thing is, Tathra, you cannot selectively numb. You go to the dentist Mm -hmm. and they inject, you know, a needle, into your gums does it feel good no No, it just numbs it right you can't feel anything yeah right so it's the same as emotional or that stimulation within us we'll put the chocolate in our mouth and what our what our I guess our feedback to ourselves call intuition whatever you want doesn't really matter but what we feel that maybe that emptiness or that dissatisfaction that we feel inside because we're not being authentic or we're not self-aware or we're not listening to what we really want it gets numbed but we then numb the good so we just kind of feel comfortable or we feel okay or we just feel numb so that tends to create this snowball effect of this addiction so when people come into that space of awareness and, and are either, you know, um, they've got their foot in a cast and they're realizing, right, okay, life's trying to tell me something here. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've actually got a friend who for th- three years in a row, she broke a bone at the first day of her holidays. And two of those three <laughs> was the same bone. Wow. So she, she got the message, thankfully. Mm. But yeah, when, when, that, when we get to that space of awareness going, ah, okay, life's trying to tell me something here. Or that we come into this sort of awareness of, you know, it might be an external thing like a, a funeral, um, whatever it is that kind of has us go, okay, 
what's important here or some tragic event that, that has us question what we're doing with our own lives. What, what next? What, what moves us? What's, what, if people are coming to you and saying, mm. I need to you know, figure this stuff out, what's the first step in that self-awareness journey from your perspective? I wish I could say, hey, you just take this pill and then you figure it all out. (laughs) Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? We're looking for the pill. Um, But it comes back to the the philosophy of of Unfuckwithable, which is connection. Uh, We have to sit in it. We have to listen. We have to sit in that discomfort um, Mm -hmm. because you will hear it. The first step is really sitting, sitting still and feeling that discomfort. Um, for long enough. So you're, t- you're not talking about connection with others, you're talking about connection with self. Talking about source. connection with self, definitely. Um, connection with um, others, yes, um, but n- not not to figure out what's going on with you. It really it, it is very powerful to reflect um, with people. That's why I guess my job exists. That's why I, I have a job <laughs> because I, can, I help people who are disconnected. That's my job. I, I translate what they need and what they want in their life Um but what they don't know that they want to need. And I help that translate for them so that they can listen to themselves and understand that and then take action on that. Um, but we can do that alone if we sit in it. And I think a lot of people immediately think of meditation. Okay, well, that's, that's the path. And mm. so what, what's your take on that? Is, is that, you know, a good or the best route to connect itself it definitely is however my definition of meditation is probably very different to what post, most people imagine in their heads mm-hmm. to meditate is just the focus okay so you could go surfing you uh, could yes. paint you could laugh you could draw you could go for a walk you could do whenever we do something that we really 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 love we're meditating almost always because we're so focused if you speak to someone, um, you know, who's a singer, they might have the most excruciatingly stressful life. But if you talk to them about, um, if you talk to them about what it's like when they're singing, they'll say, oh, there's no thought in my head, nothing. Mm-hmm. And you, you speak to someone who um, does any kind of competitive sport, like I know for me, I used to play soccer for Queensland and people used to say, did you hear me cheering? I'm like, nothing. Like I'm on that ball, I'm focused on my, like I've got, that's med, that is meditation. That's connection because you're 100% present. You don't have your thoughts, the, you know, 50,000 unconscious thoughts reeling or unconsciously running through your mind. And so therefore you're not driven from that, um, primitive place of, of, of thinking. Cause that's the part of our mind. It's, it's good for us, but it's, it's primitive and it, it comes from fear based on fear because it's always thinking to protect ourselves so we're in focus we're in presence we're connected to ourselves authentically we make decisions from an authentic place that place is called flow if you listen to the book the rise of superman and they call that flow state and he, and he actually reveals that the same state that surfers or rock climbers access they check they've done you know ext- extensive testing on this is the same state it reflected the same brain patterns and brain waves as someone who has meditated for 50 years religiously. Is that the theta state? Yeah, yeah correct. The theta brainwaves? It's, it's a little bit more complex than that, but yes. Okay. Because I've, um, I've been, uh, I'm going to say indulging in um, the flotation tank therapy. Yeah. Type 
and uh, when I described my experience of having uh, sort of a lack of awareness of the difference between me and everything else, yes. the the guy who sort of runs the place got all excited and he's like, oh, you're, you're in Theta. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> Stephen Kotler is the guy. Stephen Kotler okay, great. wrote Rise of Superman. Legend. All right, we'll add that to the show notes. That's great. Yeah. So, um, all right, so when we're in practicing connection and being able to be with mm-hmm. what's going on and be um, able to focus, especially when we're able to, you know, get into those states of flow and joy and just enjoying um, the moment, um, what's the next thing to progress to? Yeah, so this requires a lot of honesty and a lot of courage <laughs> because yeah. we know. We know why we're there. We understand what the anxiety, we deep, 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 deep down we know, but we're so fucking terrified to admit it mm-hmm. that we hate our job or we don't love our partner or we're not really enjoying life because we just did what we thought we should do. We know the answers to this, but our fear gets so in the road or your your sense of self, your identity, your ego kicks in and just smothers that down. So if you sit with yourself long enough and you feel in your body the anxiety or the, 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 whatever it is, the emotional discomfort yeah. and you just let it sit, try things like writing. Try mm-hmm. asking yourself questions. And mm-hmm. the answer, I don't know, will often come up. And when that happens, that's cool. Just know, just ask yourself very calmly with compassion, well, what if you did know? What if you were super honest with yourself right now what do you actually know this comes from, you know? I often find that when I ask people and they, the first thing that comes is I don't know, then usually something else comes after that because there is a knowing, but mm. we tell ourselves that we don't know. Yeah. And then when we're able to access that wise space within, it, it just allows for the flow of, of that wisdom. Totally. It's a defensive mechanism of the ego. I don't know. And confusion. Mm. Yep. Yep. I hear you. So um, tell me a little bit more about this, this, uh, this sort of questioning, like this, I guess, maybe being honest with ourselves about what it is that had us numb out or, you know, get sick or injured in the first place. Um, as in like what really, what we were doing that. Well, what, once, once we can, allow, I guess, admit to ourselves mm. what this thing and, and get really honest mm. Um, I suspect that that's also a space where we're likely, I'm speaking from my own personal experience, <laughs> yeah. where we're likely to go into, you know, eating Freak lots of out. chocolate yeah. or, um, you know, watching lots of television mm-hmm. or, um, you know, getting, getting into escape. Yep. Um, so so what, what do you suggest for people who are aware that that's, there's a potential for that risk, they, they're no, they know that about themselves, um, but they're, you know, wanting to be with this self-honesty yep. and the thing that, that has us numbing out and eating chocolate yep. and all that, um, how do we avoid or um, may, maybe it's about forgiving ourselves when, okay, we, cool. when we get into that, that escape yep. and move through it? Look, well, let's just go with the universal fear of I'm not good enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's where everything stems from anyway, right? So once we sit in it, we might – so that, and that's where the inauthentic actions come from. So if we're going to get to the actual core of all of this and we want to rip it out of the root, we get to, um, let's, let's do a real life example. Okay. I'll use myself. I was a radiation therapist and working in medicine 
and I was terrified to leave for a short period of time. I got really scared because it was my identity. I'd wrapped my whole, since I was 16, I'd just dreamt about doing that. Um, it definitely came from a space of really wanting to help people, but the fear of leaving was, well, who am I then? Like, what am I then? Because I'm not important. What if I don't earn any money? Who are going to, you know, did I waste four years studying and working? Did I, you know, all of these things came up because I'd only been working for 18 months or something like that as like qualified. Um, and the truth of how I did that, I didn't think about it too much. So, and then the reason I'm saying that is because if we're going to get to the root of the fear behind that and everyone's fear of why say they might stay in a job that they don't really like is because they scared they're not going to be good enough or they might fail. And that might mean, Oh, if I leave, I won't get money. And that failure. So, so I'm explaining that failure might look like different things for different people. So I might leave, then I won't have any money. And then I might fail as the income provider for my family. And that will mean that I am a failure in life, which means that I'm not good enough. So it all comes back to even stress overworking still comes from, I'm not good enough. Every, every inauthentic action comes from that space of lack so the question really we should be asking is well how can we get rid of that space of lack or what can we do to solve that space of lack and the thing is Tathra is that we don't we don't want to solve it that's our ego that's a part of our human experience of life what we can do and this is the ultimate thing and this is why connection and meditation is utmost important is realize that you are not your identity You are not the thoughts you have. You are not who you believe you are or think you need to be. You're not the voice in your head. You're separate from it. It's as simple as that. Mm. Not easy, but simple. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And and it's something that I've been aware of for, oh, God, at least 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. Mm. And it's still something that sort of trips me up. and, And, you know, that fear stuff comes up and it's sort of like, you know, I know this stuff, but sometimes that doesn't always make the difference. Why you have to practice. And that's why it's, and that's, I love, I, um, I often parallel yoga and specifically Bikram yoga, just because it's my personal experience with, um, the philosophy of being unfuckwithable, um, and yoga itself in general, because, you know, it's called yoga practice, not yoga perfect. And that's life. Ah, I like that. No, it's not. It's not about, oh, because we do this. I mean, I know I do it. Meditation. Oh, shit, I'm thinking I'm doing it wrong. No, <laughs> that was your ego that said that. Do you ever get like downloads of stuff that just feels like it's coming from a different place when you meditate? <sighs> Look, I'd be lying if I said, yeah, I totally sat there once and I wrote this book and da 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 but I, but. I retrospectively, when I look at moments where I was incredibly creative or I just had these bursts, like sometimes weeks at a time of this creative energy, I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Retrospectively, it came from that space. Mm. Uh, But I'm not that person that could be like, I just had this download when I meditated. (laughs) But um, I often get business ideas when I meditate, which sometimes drives me crazy because I'd rather actually just have that, that, that clarity and that spaciousness. But I'm thinking, okay, well, if this is coming from that space, then, mm-hmm. hey, you know, who am I to stop it? Totally. Yeah. I'm the shower girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like shower. Yeah. I'm like, I have a whiteboard in my shower, in my oh, bathroom. Why 
good idea. Because I'm like, oh, I love it. and I just pick up the pen. I'm just like hanging out of the oh, shower. I so need to do that. <laughs> water for me. I'm um I'm such an earthy, fiery uh, energy that water for me brings out like a deep connection. And so whenever I'm swimming, mm-hmm. like that's why I get myself in the beach every day. That's why I think I love the beach so much. Or I love water so much. In the shower, I can be in there minutes, and it's like everything just comes to me, and I just so much clarity. So if I am having a flip out bath it is like end of story there's no no questions and that's another thing like I guess for people is learn what helps you connect like for some people it's a bath for some people it's a run for some people it's writing like I heard this amazing advice the other day um from Emily Ann Peterson who I actually interviewed and she said every single day wake up and write for 30 minutes because then you can scrap that away which means that you can start your life fresh every single day I loved that Yeah, and I got that from um, morning pages from the um, the artist's way. Okay, um, cool. Which is a, a practice that yeah I, I find has really stayed with me even having having done the artist's way like twenty mm-hmm. years ago. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I think that there's always going to be um, different things that work for different people, and it's good to try different things. And, yep. and it can not, there is going to be no one way for for each of us. I want to um, jump back to the fear for a minute because mm-hmm. I really like how you talk about fear as it's not the thing to get rid of it's the thing that it sort of helps us um it's like a a a guide I suppose something needs to change definitely um so that's why I really talk about walking when dancing with fear in my book a lot um everything I do all my all my programs it's I'm don't resist fear love it like appreciate the hell out of it lean into it it's guiding you where you need to go if you're terrified if you are terrified to leave your job there's a reason um and it can it can really it's where we need to sit in um and that's the thing is that we we're so in a primitive when we're when we're addicted to thinking or when we're identified with our mind we're identified with our thoughts Mm-hmm. We're in a fear state, so we're constantly wanting to numb because we're in a primitive state, and that primitive state of us is is ingrained to escape pain and gain pleasure. So that's why we numb. That's why it feels so hard, Tathra. That's why it's so impulsive because it's from a very primitive space. And so people think that they can't do anything about it, but there's a lot of shit we can. We just have to get connected enough and go, you know what, I can do this. And it might be really difficult at first, but if I just keep practicing little bit by little bit, I can let fear guide me rather than run me. And I can stop running from it and lean into it. And and this is where I often get, well, one of the areas that I find challenging is intuition is something that I, I often feel very guided by. And I think a lot of people do. And I think mm. that's gaining a lot of currency now. Um, and sort of that somatic intelligence in a sense. But one of the things that trips me up at times is knowing the difference between fear and intuition. <laughs> yes, I have done this one many times. <laughs> tell me what's the answer. <laughs> Come on, tell me there's a magic bullet. Okay, so I've done many videos on this on my um, YouTube actually. Okay, not many, but, oh, yeah? but four episodes out of you know, it's it's a temp, it's ten percent of my YouTube channel um, because this okay. curiosity has really you know, and I I, def, I talk about it in my book and my programs again because I'm um, a thinker. Well, no, I'm not going to create that belief. I tend to think a lot habitually, mm-hmm. so when we think, we go into fear. It's like, oh my god, what do I do? What do I do? Now, this is a guide for how to tell the difference. It's not a definition because everyone's would be different. So if you are thinking about a situation, maybe it's like taking a holiday. Maybe it's taking, okay, I'm going to use an example for mine. I am 
after my book launch, a month after my book launch, I'm going to take a one month off where I don't have internet access in the Netherlands. I'm doing yoga teacher training. Oh, wow. Terrifies me, terrifies me. I'm scared. I'm anxious. I'm all of these things. But when I think about it deeply and I think about, you know, my 80 year old self and I think about what it would be like to not do that long-term, I shrink, I shrink. When I think about what it would be like not to do that, it hurts. When I think about what it would be like to do that in the long run and and the reasons behind that, which for me, um, it's a very personal reason, which I'm more than happy to share, but it's um, my mom passed away in August and then I left my long-term partner just a few weeks later. Mm. And that's one of the most excruciating things I've ever gone through. Um and I, even though I did definitely slow down in so many ways and just sat in that, I really sat in that, that what I felt in that, I didn't stop entirely. And there's still a good, I mean, there's going to be layers for years, but there's still a good chunk of the layer that I want to sit in. So I'm doing that. So I know deep, deep down, this is something I want to do. So when I think about that space and I think about what it's going to do for me long-term and my work and the people I want to help, it makes me feel expensive. Mm, so when something okay. makes you feel expansive, it's your intuition. Gotcha. Nice one. When it yeah. makes you shrink, fear. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that fits with a lot of the other things that I've, I've seen in relation to other things. But yeah, that's, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, so I'd love to link to the videos in the show notes as well. So I'll, I'll get you to send me those cool. links. Cool, sure thing. Great. So... Um, Let's talk a bit about um, your book and who it's for. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I write how I speak. So if you were, I wrote it for people who want to sit down with a cuppa and feel like they're talking to a friend who's like, hey, let's get honest. Let's sit down and have a conversation that's a little bit hard, but that you know that you want to have deep, deep down and, and just listen. Um, it's for, it, it really, um, I don't want to say it's for anyone. It could, it has the potential to help anyone from, you know, my grandma, although she wouldn't appreciate at all that I say the word fucking it ever. Um, <laughs> but if I took that out, the basis of it, she would, you know, she would love it and she would benefit from it from school children. And that's why I'm going to do a PG version. But if we're to narrow it in, it's for people who like less fluff. So straight, straight and narrow, straight to the jugular of your ego, but straight to your soul. Um, no fluff talking, translating deeply fluffy spiritual philosophy into everyday conversation with a lot of love, a lot of compassion and straight shooting. So if you don't really think that you could pick up a book that said how to be authentic, then pick up the unfuckwithable life. Oh, I love it. That's a really beautiful way to say it. So if people um, uh, who are listening want to get access to your, to your book, how can they do that? So they can go to Amber Hawken, which is spelled H-A-W-K-E-N.com forward slash T-U-L book. Great. They can grab it. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. And and if they want it, if they care to know, every book that um, is sold actually gets it's. I'm partnered with Free to Shine, and it gets a girl out of um, sex trafficking and into school, so that she's it's preventing sex trafficking in Cambodia. Fantastic! Mm. Wow, good yeah. stuff. So, 
No, I would just want to, before we finish, I want to make the link from uh, self-awareness and authenticity yep. to leadership. Yeah. What, what do you see there? Well, when you said that, what, what for me, leadership, I know that you're specifically talking about perhaps people in leadership roles in, in their world. Not necessarily. So with Tall Poppy, it's very much about recognizing that we all have the capacity for leadership. Oh, good, because I was going to go there. In a different way that it's about. Yeah, good. Yeah, so, so it's, it's very much about the recognition that we can um, step into leadership in life, work and business in, in ways that we may traditionally in the past have thought of it as as a an authority in a position yes. of power. Whereas, oh, good. Yeah. Because I was, was going to reverse engineer it and say that. <laughs> oh, good. Well, so with that in mind. Yeah, with that in mind. So, so where, where do you see self-awareness and authenticity? Yeah, absolutely. Look, if we don't know what we don't know, we can't do anything about it. So self-awareness is absolutely everything. If you want fulfillment, if you're not getting it right now, that's where you need to go. And if you're listening to this, then you're already doing self-awareness. So good on you. Keep going. Um, when you're aware, then you have to make that courageous choice to do something about it, which you can, I promise you, you can, it's not that hard. You won't fall apart. And if you do fall apart, the shit bits will fall away and you put yourself back together. And then when you do that, then you have the courage because you've gone through something you never thought you could go through before face things you never thought you could face. And then you will have the courage to step out of your fear and your identification with yourself and be authentic. And when you're authentic, you shine and you just are a leader because you're on purpose, because the point of life is to just be you. We think that it's to save the world or do something grand or something like that. You know what? Sometimes that shit happens when you're just you, but you don't have to be Oprah. You do not fucking need the responsibility to write a book that's going to change the world. And when I stopped doing that in my world, and let me tell you that my ego creeps back in and is like, oh, Amber, but you might not answer these questions in the book. You know what? doesn't matter. Just do what you want to do. And if people get something out of it, awesome. So leadership isn't about being a leader for the sake of leading people, but it's about in my eyes, um, it's about leadership of your own life and therefore you become a shining light in his example, not with that intention. You're not doing it to be a shining light. You're doing it because that's your purpose and you organically become a leader and a shining light just, just because you are. Mm, beautiful. I love that. And I feel like I'm going to ask you this question because I ask everybody um, and I feel like in some ways you've already answered it, but see if something different comes up. If people are, are about to do something big, start a business, write a book, start a creative project, but they're feeling a bit reluctant, they're feeling that, that fear or um, just, you know, trepidation, you know, who am I to do this stuff? What advice do you have then? Yeah, well, firstly, the, the thought, who am I to do this, it's always going to be there. So don't wait to do it before it goes away. Don't, don't, don't wait for fear to go away. Fear is always going to be there whenever you do anything because the primitive part of us is always going to fear rejection or failure. Just learn to get comfortable with that bit, live with it, ride it, whatever. It's going to be there, but ask yourself why you're doing it. If you're doing it because you want money, if you're doing it because you want attention, if you're doing it because you need validation, if you're doing it because you feel like you're not good enough, if you're doing it because um, you're, you're running and be honest with yourself about why you're running, yes, you do know if you are or not, you really do sit with it. Does it feel expansive? Do you shrink? Does, you know, do the test I said earlier. And if you're doing it for any of those reasons, don't fucking do it. Get rid of that. Yes, part of you will want validation and that's okay. That's okay to want validation to people to say you did good. 100%. I'm not saying that that's bad, but if you're coming from just purely that, 
then it's not going to make you happy anyway. You're going to be fucking miserable. So just ask yourself why you're doing it. And you might just, it might be just a simple shift of perspective when you go through that mental process and you might still end up going through with it, but you've come from a place of inspiration rather than fear. So you still might go ahead and do it after asking yourself that question and realizing you're coming from validation. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm not saying don't do it, just shift your perspective. Totally hear you. Cool. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that answer. That's great. Amber, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. Back at you. Thank you, Tathra. If you wouldn't pick up a book called How to Be Authentic, then read The Unfuckwithable Life. I love that. Amber really is a great translator of the woo into practical, real, and honest self-reflection. Not for its own sake, but to have the life that's authentically yours to live. Not necessarily to save the world, but to be you. What a great description. She says it's like sitting down with a good friend and having that conversation. She brings a lot of love and compassion, but she also doesn't let you get away with shit. She loves to encourage being honest with yourself, and she's clearly been there. And look, I've done a fair chunk of work on myself for a few years, and this is someone I know that I could learn a lot from. Her work is really compelling, and she's incredibly knowledgeable. Definitely check out her book. You'll find a link in the show notes, and if you're listening to this on your phone, you can tap the image above the podcast. And it's great that she's putting proceeds towards addressing child sex trafficking. What a great initiative. So what can we learn? Well, a lot, really. So what are you taking to heart from my conversation with Amber today? How do you feel about sitting with those difficult emotions, with fear, anxiety, avoidance? Do you have a practice around that? I write a lot, and when I can talk to others, I do, but mostly I write. I also do a lot of avoiding and denying it, and slowly I'm beginning to do more of the embrasure of that difficult stuff and the stuff I want to escape from, and I start to relate to it more as a guide rather than just cognitively knowing its value. How about distinguishing fear and intuition? Do you ever find that challenging? Or do you feel that expansiveness or contraction is often associated with residing in the chest or torso from a somatic intelligence perspective? I also like that she says that it's okay to want validation, but to have that be the reason you do something won't make you happy, and it's more likely to leave you miserable. I've been looking more at self-validation, but also recognizing external validation is important. I feel I need less of it when I do more of it for myself. Lastly, what works for you when it comes to feeling connected? Or is there a meditative activity that works for you to reflect and be honest with yourself? I really like walks in nature with my dogs, and of course writing, but also traditional meditation. I find talking stuff out to be really useful, and I'm blessed to have a handful of people in my life I can do, have those conversations with. What do you do? What have you tried? What do you know doesn't work for you? Not everyone likes having a bath or running. And what have you discovered that does work for you? What have you wanted to try that might work for you? I'd love to try Bikram yoga. I do regular yoga a few minutes each morning when I wake up, but I can imagine that you'd be in your body in a whole new way with the intensity of the heat. And yeah, saunas can be great for that too. And yes, my new favorite is the flotation tank. When you can't tell the difference between you and the rest of the world, 
that's the ultimate state of connection. Some people call it oneness and more technically, I suppose, theta. If you're curious, I'll put a link in the show notes about it too. Joe Rogan talks about his experience of floating, which is pretty interesting. Anyway, back to Amber. Check out her website. Check out her book. Links in the show notes, of course. And yeah, I've seen a preview of the book and I really look forward to the full version that will have gone live just the the day before this aired. So let's wrap it up. Thank you for listening to Tall Poppy. Thanks for being part of our tribe where we look at leadership differently, seeing our own capacity for leadership where it's like a verb, not a title, starting with self-awareness. And if you have found this at all useful, please help your fellow listeners by leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And we welcome feedback of all kinds. You can contact me via email, poppy at tathrastreet.com or on the website, tathrastreet.com forward slash podcast. And my name is spelt T-A-T-H-R-A-S-T-R-E-E-T. And you're also welcome to connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram if you want to see lots of pictures of flowers and the occasional pictures of, you know, people and cats and stuff. <laughs> um, And yeah, on the website, on the podcast page, you can find past and future episodes of Tall Poppy. Next week, we talk about mentoring. I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.